Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today I have a treat for you guys. Um, this is somebody that's got a lot of experience, done a lot of deals, has taught a lot of people um, how to do real estate the right way. Um, and some, someone that I actually look up to, and I've been trying to get this interview for, for a little while. I chased him around at the family reunion, <laughs> but he was so busy. And I get it, you know, he's a little bit of a celebrity within our world. And uh, Lou, thank you so much for, uh, for taking, uh, taking me on this time. Oh man, I'm, I'm more than happy to help in any way I can. And thank you very much for that intro. Uh, I just, you know, for someone like yourself that's been so successful in real estate, it's just been amazing to watch you grow and just to see what you've been able to accomplish has been incredible. Thank you so much. So our podcast, Lou, it's a little different, right? So this podcast is not so much about how big we are or, or how successful you, you've been or all that, but it's about the journey. Like, how can, you know, where, where are you from, number one? Where do you come from? And what, what were your upbringings like? Well, that's a very interesting story because um, I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. And I was transferred with a company I was with at 20 years old to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's where I'm at today. All right. Yeah. And my upbringing is quite an interesting story in that my mother was an immigrant to this country. Okay. She came over on the Queen Mary wow. as a war bride from World War II. And she had met her American trooper husband. And back then the United States government brought all the war brides over on the Queen Mary. And then they were resettled here in the country. So she went through five years of becoming a naturalized United States citizen. But unfortunately she had met the wrong guy and she got here and found out he was an alcoholic and an abuser so she got rid of him and now she's here alone and then she met my father her second mistake okay <laughs> so it just ended up being the two of us wow. so no brothers no sisters no cousins no uncles no aunts no grandparents wow. we had no money to be able to travel back to Scotland where she was from okay so literally it was just the two of us here in this country and we kind of raised each other well wow. uh, so there was no money there was no money so you grew up in poverty pretty much <laughs> very much so our, in fact our dining table was a Samsonite card table Wow. And we bought the card table with S&H green stamps. So back in the day, they gave you stamps and you put them in books. Right. And you went to the redemption center and you got stuff. Wow. And that's how uh, I was raised. I was raised by hiding out from the rent man. And, <laughs> you know, we didn't have anything really. So that, that's mother, how you learn about evictions. That's what I learned. Back then, you were being evicted. I learned about the bang at the door yeah. and my mother say, shh, don't answer the door. Right. And I say, why don't answer the door? And she said, because it's the rent man. And I said, so? And she says, because I don't have the money, we but I'm going to have the money on Friday. I'm going to take it to him Friday. But you know, that's what it's really like for someone who has no money, who's, who's right. boxed into the corner 
they don't even want to face anybody. They don't want to hear the story. They just want to say, look, I'll have the money when I have the money. I, I've been there before, uh, by the way, personally, ah. uh, after I was rich. So, which is, is crazy. Uh, not ah. being able to pay rent per se, but I wasn't able to pay my mortgage, which is about the same thing. You yes, know? it is. <laughs> uh, although the bank is not coming to knock on my door, they just send letters yeah. saying, hey, we're going to foreclose <laughs> on your property, you know, X amount of days. Or um, So it's an interesting uh, feeling. And you're right. Cause I, I had no money, so what I did is I blocked it. Yeah. What can I do? I, I mean, right. if I can't get any income coming in and, and for some reason, you know, um, all I can do is work, continue to work on myself, and pray to God that I, you know, I, I hit a, a, you know, a, a breakthrough and, and, and things happen and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm stable again. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that and, and you, you did it, you went through it when you were a little child. Um, when, when, when did things start to get better? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because my mother had friends and, uh, I met this one particular friend. It's always such an incredible uh, impact on my entire life that I didn't know at the time. And so she was about four foot tall and four foot wide, and she felt like this. So when he spoke like that, you had to listen. Yeah. Because if you didn't listen, you didn't understand what she was saying. Right. <laughs> and so uh, I called her Aunt Mabel, but of course she was no relation. And she told me an amazing thing and here we are hiding out from the rent man. And one day we went to visit her and she says, we bought the duplex that we live in. And she said, the people on the other side are paying enough money in rent to cover the mortgage from the bank. So that meant she was living for free. Now, eight years old, you can imagine, I'm hearing wow. somebody telling me they're living for free and my life is we're hiding out Struggle, from the rent man. Yeah. And so I said, I got to pay attention to her. And so then the next year we went to visit and she said, we bought the duplex next door. And the people on one side are paying enough to cover the mortgage and the other money was theirs. And then they bought another one and another one and another one. Get this, on the same street. Wow. On the same street. And this so is talk this about is, target marketing, right? This is where it's uh, uh, North Carolina or uh, this was in Charlotte, Charlotte, yes. okay, mm -hmm. Charlotte, North Carolina. And they live so far away, it was we didn't go there that often. Uh, but when we went, it was always hearing another story about they bought another duplex. So that was your in introduction to real estate, it is. And it was her who says to me at 18 years old, You need to buy a house, and I'm going. Aunt Mabel, you go to the bank and qualify for loans. I can't qualify my way out of a paper bag. You know, right. I don't have a career. I don't have a background. I don't have money. Uh, I can't do what you did. She said, you have saved some money from your paper route and the other jobs you've had. And that was true. And she said, uh, you probably have enough somehow or another to get a down payment together. I want you to meet my friend, Realtor Sue. So sure enough, this blue-haired lady comes up with her big Cadillac and she says, get in. And we go driving around like I'm going to buy a house at 18 years old. And sure enough, she knew something that Aunt Mabel didn't know. And that back in the day, they had a thing called NENQ loans, non-escalating, non-qualifying loans. 
So I was able to take over somebody else's financing. Wow. So for $45, you were doing my 18-year-old self could, could put a property under contract. It was right before my birthday. We closed after my birthday, so I closed at 19 years old. What time frame is this? Uh, uh, 60s, 70s? <laughs> Thanks a lot. 50s, <laughs> 80s, 90s? It was the 70s. 70s. And, and in fact, uh, that, that was an amazing time for me because, uh, you know, here I am in that whole experience. I graduated in 1976. Right. And, and uh, you know, I was, in fact, I won a scholarship to go to college, and I went for one year to the community college, and I couldn't figure out why I was there. So I actually never went back. <laughs> I just said, I gotta get, I gotta get my ball rolling. I so can't you, wait. You, you bought your first property, what, 77, somewhere around that 76. time? 76. 1976. 1976, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was a subject to what you did. Back it was back in the day, it wasn't called subject to yeah, because called... you could actually do it. It was all above board. Right. You could actually come in and for $45, HUD allowed you to take over an existing HUD loan for $45. Crazy. And then they took it away from us in 1982 with the Garn St. Germain Federal Depository Institutions Act. They said, nope, we're going to allow the banks now to put the due upon sale clause in the mortgage. And I said, oh man, that's a deal killer. And then I found out, I, I said, you know, I just got to read this law. I got to find out what's in there. And we know that with laws, there's always exceptions. That's when I found out that when someone places their property in trust for estate planning purposes, essentially the lender is prohibited from calling the loan due. So I said, I got to learn about trusts. Trusts, I don't know about trusts. I don't know anything about trusts. And I became an expert on trusts way back then. And I teach all of my students to put all of their properties in trust. And it gives them an opportunity to be able to buy properties by taking over existing financing. Uh, you know what? And, and um, I'm glad you brought that subject up. I wish I would have known about a trust a few years ago. Okay. I put all my properties on trust now. Wow. But a few years ago, yes. I didn't. I was putting them on LLCs, and sometimes one LLC will have multiple, you know, properties mm -hmm. because that's what the that's attorneys what they teach, said, right? right? <laughs> and you know, long story short, if you get sued on one, guess what? All the other ones are liable as well because they're under the same umbrella and entity, right? So um, nothing weird happened, but but I was like, huh, man, all my eggs are vulnerable basically if like let's say I got an LLC with five properties and something happens on one property the other properties are gonna be able to uh, you know they're gonna get hit as well but if they're on particular trust then they're not you know so you're a hundred percent correct all your eggs are in one basket why would they bother suing you they're gonna sue the basket exactly they're gonna sue where all the equity is yeah so that's where I've been teaching people for years, put each property in its own trust. Yep. And when you've got the right tools to do that, it's quite easy. You press print, you got another trust. You press print, you got another trust. You don't have to open up a new LLC. You don't have to do taxes for each LLC. CPAs love LLCs. <laughs> yes, they do. Because they're collecting money from each one of them. When and they attorneys do too. And attorneys do too, right? Um, 
But trust, you just print them out, notarize it, you're good. File it with the county and, and, and you're good to go. And you don't even have to create a separate bank account for each one. No. You know, you can have one property management account and manage all of the assets in that one account. Man, uh, that's but, such a great nugget right there. Uh, oh, let me tell you, and, and you know, so no annual dues, no annual fees, no annual tax returns, and it just flows through to the beneficiary and beneficiary files a tax return. And it's just so such magic that you can understand why CPAs and attorneys don't love it because they can't make money with it like they can with the normal thing that they teach. A hundred percent. I remember sometime in 2015, 16, we had all these LLCs. Man, it was a nightmare <laughs> just true. for tax purpose. I yeah. mean, taxes on each one was a couple of grand each. That's right. And it, they didn't make that much money. So, and so I was like in the red because now I'm paying, my cash flow is going to my CPA. <laughs> My operating expenses are beyond my Look, profits. And uh, and one thing as simple as QuickBooks. So I had to have a QuickBooks for each one of them because they're different yeah, entities. Yeah, exactly. With different EINs. QuickBooks was costing me about two thousand bucks a month. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because of all the different, it's like vampires. They're just <laughs> sucking. The, the and it was like forty five dollars here, forty five dollars there, forty five. But when you're looking at it, you're like. Wait a minute. What happened? I'm working for QuickBooks. QuickBooks is not working for me, you know? So, um, anyhow. You're so, so right. So, you're so, so right. you know, so back then you start buying these properties, right? Now, at 18, when you, gra you graduated at 18, right? Are you, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 17. Yeah. 17. So, did you say, okay, I'm going to be a real estate investor now? or No, how no. Was I went to college for a year. Okay. And then during that time is when I bought my first property. And, uh, and then I went on to join a company. And uh, rather than spend the four years going through college and then join a company, I actually joined a company then. And, uh, and I realized that it was such a good thing. Then they transferred me from Charlotte to Atlanta. So when they transferred me, what I did is sell that house because they bribed me. They said, we're gonna pay your closing costs. We're gonna pay your moving costs. We're gonna pay everything. You sell that house in Charlotte, we'll pay your closing costs. You buy a house in Atlanta, we'll pay your closing costs. So I said, okay. So I sold the house, I made 37% profit. Wow. And, and owned it just almost less than two years. Wow. And I said, man, there's something to this real estate game. Of course, I already knew. And so then when I got to Atlanta, I bought a house, taking over the existing financing. And I was able to buy then a year later a duplex by taking over the existing financing and getting the seller to carry back financing. And so that's really where my foundation was, is I learned I don't have to go to the bank, I don't have to qualify for loans. So now fast forward over 40 years now, wow. I've never been to the bank, I've never qualified for a loan on a single family or small multifamily property. And I discovered that when I use the right tools, when I use the right words, then I can convince sellers that it's a great thing for them. And in fact, it is. I can actually pay the seller more for their property because of the fact that I don't have to go to the bank and qualify for a loan. And they love it. I love it. I'm able to serve them and give them additional income on a monthly basis or an annual basis. Sometimes we do annual and uh and they love it and but you have to position it correctly now so I, have, have you ever so 
okay, let's go back. Sure. And I'll go back to the question I'm going to ask you, which is, <laughs> have you ever gone to a bank and gotten a loan? Right? Never. Never. Never been to the bank, never qualified for a loan. Never refied a property or anything like that because you were going to cash it out or whatnot? Or... Yeah. Never. It, no, never. Crazy. Never, not one. So, how about, um, so you had a corporate job. What do you do there? So I was a salesman. I actually went and uh, I had parts of four states and I went around and I serviced my accounts and I grew new accounts and uh, I learned to do sales that way. And it worked out fantastic. It was a sewing notions company of all things. And so I serviced various things. I serviced chain stores. I serviced individual entrepreneurs and, uh, and just uh, intermediate wholesalers and things like that. So I, I got uh, some distinction on sales and on competing, you know, so I was competing against all the other salespeople and, and winning awards and bonuses and things like that. It was quite good for me. Um, I got company car, all expenses. I'm very young at the time, you yeah. know, 20 years old. Here I am out there in the world doing that. And it was good for me, it was very good. Wow. And, but I also learned about taxes at that time because back in the day you were penalized as a single person. You actually paid more in taxes than married people did. And so I said, I gotta learn more about taxes. And then of course, relating back to real estate, that was the day when Ronald Reagan came into office and all of a sudden here we go with a whole different game where they allowed you to depreciate property over 15 years. So that big depreciation, I was used to, able to use to offset my ordinary income and put me in a position to zero out my taxes. You know, uh, sometime in 2012, 13, I used to be a corporate guy. So I had a job in the oil and gas business. Uh, I started on the field, so I will go through the rigs. I, I worked offshore uh, for many years, made a great living. Uh, wow! Loved what I did, because that you know that job was um, it was for a it, it, you know weak people couldn't do it. Number one, uh, it, it was a, yeah. a, a big man's job basically. Right. And and I took pride on that, right? But sometime in 2013, I had moved up the ladder. So I was in the corporate game now. I was uh, like the head of a product line and uh, way up on a multi-billion dollar company where I was running more than 500 employees and all that. So whoa, whoa. yeah, yeah, I have 500 employees. Holy cow. Uh, my P&L was $120 million a year. I took it from 60 to 120 um, in amazing. two years. It, it, it was like that job, was what made me think big like started dealing with big stuff yeah like i, I remember awarding a contract for 40 million dollars to a vendor here it is 40 and you million. said what about me <laughs> well i was making good money but i i was, certainly wasn't making millions what you the know? vendor was making yeah. yeah um i did i was offered a bribe to to award that contract <laughs> to somebody else for millions never took it yeah. Uh, because I, I said, if I do this, they'll own me for the rest of my life. So That's true. integrity was, you know, it's very high on me. I learned that from my dad, from Absolutely. my father. That's great. Uh, and I know you value that a lot. Uh, we, we had a conversation about that uh, a little while back ago from yeah. a certain character that that didn't, that was not, in, uh, did, did not operate from integrity. But uh, anyhow. Amen. Um, 
I don't even know where the hell I was going with this, but in that corporate job, I <laughs> learned so much, yes. okay? And I was doing real estate. Mm -hmm. And one day, I started real estate on the side, you know? Like, I, I need something to put my money to work, or, like, I've always been very impatient. I gotta have three or four fires going around. Ah. So I had my job, then I had my real estate, like buying my rentals and stuff like that. And then I had a little MLM thing going. Ah. So I was like juggling all these three balls, right? Yeah. But one day we're at the coffee area in, in, the, in the building and it's tax time. Mm. And two of my friends, they start complaining about filing their taxes. Ah. And I'm sipping coffee and I'm like, why are you guys complaining about taxes, guys? That's a good problem to have. That means you guys are making good money. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, well, you probably get taxed more than we do because I was a little bit higher up the chain. Right. And I was like, actually, I don't. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, dude, I almost pay no taxes. And they're like, bullshit. I got to see that. And I was like, I'm telling you, I almost pay no taxes. Yeah. Literally, I get refunds every year <laughs> and they're like no way how i used to make at the time 250 grand a year base plus commissions and all these other things Goodness. right car payment you know i enjoy the corporate world oh yeah um I, i'm not a corporate hater by any means i tell i tell people you have a good corporate job good w2 leverage that and go get as many properties as you can build that side wealth while you have a job, yeah. you have stability, because this entrepreneur world is not really cut out for everybody, you know? But it was about those guys asking me the question, and I go, where do you guys invest? And you know, they, the traditional 401k, I buy uh. stocks, this and that. And I said, of course, guys, you guys don't have any write-offs. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, dude, I buy properties out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Tell me more. So I start telling them about, you know, rentals, depreciation, right. appreciation, and all of these things. And one of them says, okay, what, is, what are you roughly paying taxes? I was like, dude. And at the time, I think uh, there was like the elections, maybe Obama and Mitt Romney. That was in 2008, right? Uh, yep. So this is four years later. I'm like, dude, I'm like Mitt Romney. Like I pay like 12% taxes or something like that. And, those guys, we created a club of real estate investing out of that, that oh, whole conversation. I love it. I love it. And we went to do a lot of houses together. So uh, I'm glad you, you bring that up because you were in corporate and now you were getting your tax write-offs. Yeah. You're learning, learning about creative financing. At a very early age. Man. And the magic was to allow me to actually leave corporate America and be an entrepreneur. So it was another guy in the same industry. We actually went in together and we bought a wicker and rattan furniture business. And we actually got it with owner financing. We got the owner to carry back finances. So I think we gave her 10% down, 10% interest on the money. Because interest was yeah, 21%. Interest yeah, when, yeah. I, when I got into real estate, interest rates were 21% in this country. This country yeah. right here. And it's hard to believe, but it actually I just was heard true. it just went over five. And, <laughs> yeah, it just went over five again. Right, like, right. Um, it took years to get down to where it did get down to, yeah. and now it's starting to creep up again, which has a very big impact on people's ability to, and the size and price of house they can buy, right? So in 
interest impacts everything. It impacts exactly what people can buy. So when did you start doing full-time real estate investing? 1983. 1983. So that business, I sold it to my partners and carried back owner financing. Okay. <laughs> you wanted so out. I got funded. Uh, well, I had two babies at the time, once 16 months apart, and we were working 36-hour days, crazy retail furniture business hours. And I said, this is not a good life. Not for my children, not for my wife. I said, let's do something different. So I sold to them. They carried back, or I carried back financing from them, and that gave me the income to be able to go pursue real estate. Wow. So I started and I started studying and learning and doing. And then I just started buying real estate and I always stuck with that same thing in my mind. I do not have to go to the bank and I do not have to qualify for a loan. And you know, like I said, fast forward 40 years and I've never been to the bank, never qualified for a loan. So I think you know, that's a great takeaway for people just to realize that that's even possible. Right, because most people, oh, I gotta have credit, and I gotta have a pile That's of money. That's what I in thought for many years too. <laughs> you thought so too. <laughs> yeah, and I was in real estate already, and yeah. I just, but I didn't know that world. Yeah. And sometimes I would hear people talk about owner financing this, and I'm like, I can't owner finance. I don't own the property outright. But I didn't know about wraps. I didn't know about you know there was there was a world that was completely unknown to me. Yeah. And it's because exactly. I made a huge mistake. Um, for many years, I didn't do this. I didn't come to networking events. Ah. I didn't hire a mentor. I literally was self-taught. Yeah. Um, and, you know. That's uh, a mistake. It's a huge <laughs> mistake. It's a mistake. Trust me. I pay for my education. Well, you know, I say the same thing because had I done that myself, I would have been so much farther down the road because I was only buying like one property every maybe six months to a year. Right. But, but because I didn't have any momentum, because I didn't have anybody to guide me, support me, or create some accountability around what I was doing. So as a result, I was just kind of doing my own thing. If I saw a sign pop up in a yard or I heard a neighbor or somebody referred me to something, then I was able to buy that house. But it wasn't a machine. It wasn't anything that would lead me to be able to get a steady lead flow. And I learned that that was just not good business. That was not a business at all. It was a hobby. It was a hustle. Real estate. It was just a hobby of real estate investing. Right. And, and I had, you know, initially the goal was just to shelter my income and have those tax benefits, really not to actually be in the real estate business. But that evolved over time until, you know, I really created it into a business and a cash flow machine. And then I was able to buy the house that uh, for my family, a five bedroom, three bath house that was only a year old. Wow. And I was able to do that by taking over the existing financing, getting the seller to carry back financing. So again, the creative side of being able to do that provided us with a beautiful home on an acre of land, all brick home, one year old. I mean, who gets to do that? And you know, so it, give, it gave me insight that that was possible. You know, and so then I just started acquiring more and more property. Well, so how many properties do you think you've done? Oh, over a thousand. Over a thousand? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you hold over a thousand? Not right now. Okay. Uh, we, we hold a couple hundred. Okay. And we, we have a program, it's called the Path to Home Ownership, where we help deserving families 
regardless of credit or financial background, to end up with home ownership. So we love it because we've been able to really guide people through, because just like you were saying, you know, when you got into it, you didn't know, I didn't know, they don't know either. And so if I can help a deserving family say, you know what, there's some training that you need. You need help to learn about credit. You need to learn the impact of credit. You need to learn how to build your credit and we can help you do that. So you move in with us, we're gonna help you build up your credit while you're living with us and we've got a path to take you all the way out to home ownership. Right. So that's really where um, my mission is today and I help people to build a business doing exactly that. So now I have licensees in my system in all 50 states. We have over 800 offices and they become certified affordable housing providers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when is it that you started getting into the whole education? Because that education is one thing, real estate is another one. You know, it's a great question because going to seminars and what have you, I found out about a local investor group. I went to the group. One thing led to another. They asked me to be on the board of directors and I helped them run the organization. It was a nonprofit thing. I got nothing out of it in terms of pay, but I got a tremendous amount in terms of relationships. And so one thing led to another. They asked me to teach. They said, Lou, you've been successful in real estate. We'd love if you go teach a class for us. So I taught a class, it was very successful. They sold it for $49, they got all the money. And one thing led to, then quarterly, and then one thing led to another, then they said, you know, you're just doing so well and the people love you and we want you to teach more. And I said, I got a family to feed. I can't keep doing this because it takes a long time to prepare for all this training. And, you know, now they're asking for forms and they're asking for copies of the trainings and what have you. They said, that's okay. You can have part of the proceeds. So one thing led to another and I started teaching a monthly course. One month it would be on buying, one month it'd be on selling, one month it'd be on property management, one month on negotiations, one month on renovations, one month on uh, you know business management and uh, just being able to do the business. And that evolved into my whole enchilada package. Wow. So it became the whole enchilada of real estate investing. But I didn't go into it uh, with a marketing angle. I went into it from an, a technology side, you know, in terms of just being a technician and doing the business, learning the business, learning what worked and what didn't work and perfecting forms, formats, formulas, step-by-step -step processes for my own business. And then I shared it with other people. In your opinion, what do you think is, uh, and everybody's situation is different, but what do you think is the sweet spot for somebody to have a certain amount of rental properties? Like, because there's so, different, if you go over 50 or 100 or 200, that, that, those are three different stages where yeah. the animal turns into a monster. You're right. And really, I, I have found that about 25 is where people are really at a stage where they, have, they need help because something's always going on. And it was through the evolution of discovery that I realized that being a landlord really sucked. So I do not like rentals as a landlord, but I do like the path to home ownership because I'm 
attracting a different client. I'm attracting a different mindset. Somebody takes care of the property different. That's right. And I can give that person the opportunity to do some or all of the repairs in exchange for credit towards their down payment to, on our path to home ownership. So we are able to attract a different mindset of people. And I enjoy that a lot more because I really evolved into not enjoying landlording at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I don't like it. I, I, am a, I am a landlord by necessity and by circumstance. I will put it to you that way. Like, I don't plan to go get a, a rental. Like, no, that's not me. That's right. I'm like, okay, that one turned into a rental because I can't sell it. Uh, or, you know what, I put it on a trust. It's a hell of a deal. I'm just going to keep it because I know whatever. But I ask you this question because I know you've done a lot of properties. Yes. And I made a mistake uh, early on my career uh, as a real estate investor when I was doing it on the side, mm -hmm. which is I bought off somebody else's dream. And I remember I was, I was in a room where I'm not, I'm not going to mention his name because he's a great uh, friend and, and, but, and somebody that, that, that is a very well-respected real estate investor. But this guy was selling loans. So what he wanted to was get people to get on loans ah. so he could make more loans. But, but the way he was selling the loans was on selling his vision on becoming a landlord with 100 properties, 150 properties and whatnot, right? And... I remember at the time, I said, oh man, if he has 100 properties, I can go bid him too, and I can probably get, I don't know, 120 and a $400 cash flow. At the time, the cash flow average was maybe 250 a door. Right. Uh, this is 2009, 10, something like that. We, right. We're coming out of the get whole the bubble Down thing. By the pool. Get the okay. We'll see you there. <laughs> we'll see you there. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so we got this. Um, I got this guy's vision, right? And I'm, I'm buying into his vision. Ah. And, I, and I started chasing that. And I got there. And when I got there, I hated it. <laughs> I said, what did, what did I do to myself? I didn't like evicting people. That was not me. That's right. Uh, especially uh, uh, an older lady that, you know, that lost a, a job oh. or, or, you know. I just, I'm like, what, why did I get myself into this trap? So I literally started selling everything oh, as it became no. as it became vacant. Oh, no. Yeah, I got to 107. Oh. And then one day I was miserable. Miserable. I didn't I didn't even like going to my properties. I bet that's true. That's how much I hated it. So oh, that one became vacant. Get rid of it. Now, I would make some money off of it, you know, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't I wouldn't sell it at the the at the cuz in 2000 11, 12. That was the down of the market, we're, not the We're kind of like transitioning. So, you know, the ARVs were not as high yet, but I just didn't want them. And I was like, you know what? I am a motivated seller now. Get them off my plate. And then I started buying into someone else's vision, which, which was type B properties, because these were right. mostly decencies. So that's why they came with so much baggage, right? Right. Um, but then I go to B's, but then in B's, there was a different problem. Like, it's still the same. People quit paying rent, people get fired, <laughs> people, you know. Um, but I made a huge mistake, and today, I make it a point to where 
I stick to my to my to what I do. I'm a wholesaler. I love wholesaling. I love the big checks. And if I can continue to do that at a scale, I'm happy, and I don't have to, you know, cater to that. You know, and I th I love what you're saying because that is the evolution that a lot of people go through. They either start in wholesaling or they end in wholesaling, right? Because they didn't really get the right business model in place. You know, I hear about the Burr method and I smile because that to me, uh, Burr is cold. <laughs> it's cold and heartless. And fire is a whole different thing. So I use the fire method, right? right. Uh, fire your boss, fire, <laughs> fire all the, the negatives in your life, um, have freedom, have income, have retirement and have energy. Right. And so that's, that's my fire method. But in, in our world, we're helping people and they're a participant in it. So they're playing a different game. But in the meantime, based on what we've already talked about, the tax benefits are still there. Uh, the ability to maximize your return. I'm not selling at a wholesale price. I buy from wholesalers. Right, absolutely. I love wholesalers. Bring me all you've yeah, got. All the deals, yeah. Because I've already got customers for those. Yep. And my customers have huge down payments. So it's not uncommon for us to get twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars down from a, that's down payment. So that's a lot more than a wholesale fee in most cases, yeah. right? You, wholesalers aren't making that kind of yeah. Market. Right now, uh, average assignment nationwide is fifteen thousand. Right, and that's uh, that's a good day when that happens, yeah. right? Well, and, uh, I don't know. It depends <laughs> on the market. Like, yeah. I I personally stay away from a few markets like. I don't market in Alabama or Mississippi, poor states, so they have thinner margins, Lower margins right? right? Now, I got friends that are killing it there, and I'm like, hmm, what are you doing that I don't know about, right? <laughs> Let me pick your brains real quick. Um, West Virginia, I don't, but it's because more is as an attorney state that the attorneys move at the pace of a snail, uh, so I don't, I stay away from there. Uh -huh. But where you are, Atlanta, I love that place. I love. Yeah. Uh, Paulding County, Dallas, all the like Dallas, yeah. Georgia, all these little towns on the west side. I, I have too. made a fortune there. I um, have too, and I'll buy all you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just that making that distinction of do you want the benefits of the long-term hold? And because when you're holding, of course, you're getting the tax benefits. When yeah. you're flipping, you're not getting the tax benefits. Yeah, if I can. So so when so I'm in the lead generation business. So we lead generate, goes through my team, they qualify the lead. They say, okay, this guy is a cash sale or this guy is a creative finance deal. Creative finance deals, I look at them real close because mm -hmm. those are the ones that I'm willing to take on. Yes, sir. I'm like, okay, they, they just put together this property on terms <laughs> and I'm going to keep that one, you know, and then I'll figure out what I do with it. So I use these properties and maybe it's the wrong approach because of the energy I'm putting towards it. But I'm using these properties as like the rainy day fund. Mm -hmm. Because those properties were the ones that bailed me out when I was in a bind. Exactly. That, well, yeah, it's dependable, predictable monthly income. Yeah. That's what I preach. That's yeah. what I preach, that's what I teach. Because if you have that going for you, then if you get COVID, if you get whatever, you get some disease, whatever, you're in the hospital for however long, your family is still fed. You're still having that income going on. So I'm a big believer 
in cash now, cash flow, and cash forever. Yeah, you gotta have yeah. them all. Yeah. You gotta have them all, and you, you know, you gotta learn from the right person and the right mentors that are that have the right systems. Yes. Because there's a lot of people out there that are teaching this. They don't have any systems. <laughs> they say they have a system. They say they, they have, a, have system. a system. Uh, like if I will be teaching landlording, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> because trust me. Now at a point, because I was doing so many rehabs, I did have team members that could go and, and fix these properties and no yeah. big deal. But that's not the case today. Right. Because I'm not flipping a coin. I'm just flipping paper. And But going back to you, how many students do you think you've had in oh, your career? Thousands. Thousands. Um, I, and I've loved it because, you know, like we just had an event last month and guy came. He said, Lou, I went to your training 20 years ago. He says, I have done 57 deals since then. He says, I've made so much money. He wow. said, I've made millions off of what you taught me back then. And now I come back and you've got all these new things that I missed over the years because I didn't keep coming. And I just love that because I've, you know, I have been teaching and training for so long that I've got students that have benefited from, from it for years. So I love the fact that um, they come back. I love to teach. That is my gift. Uh, I, I really thank God on a daily basis for what he's brought to me. Uh, it, it has been an amazing ride. It's been an incredible ride. Wow. And it's been something that's been fun and, and just really fantastic to enjoy. Um, Man, that's awesome. Just, just put it on the desk over there. Was thank that? Thank you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so what is, thank you. what is next for you? You know, really it's building this brand, certified affordable housing provider, okay. because I'm now into- But you have 800 door, stores, right? Yes. They're that not brand my is stores. Built. They're all entrepreneurs that I've taught how to build their own businesses. Right. I'd rather do that than for them to be my stores, right? right? So I teach them how to build a store. Uh, and they start in their own house. They don't have to have a storefront. They evolve to that, right? So many of them have wrapped their vehicles and they've got signs and they've got teams and they they invest in multiple states and others are happy to buy three houses a year and i'm happy to serve all of them and you know because the thing is for someone they have to start with some number that they're trying to achieve so whatever that number is i like to help them get there and that's really my mission uh, you know and I, I and i give my mission to all of my licensees because that's their mission out in the world. Our mission is to transform lives through affordable housing to empower families and individuals to enjoy the American dream of home ownership. Wow. So that mission is a major league thing that I'm really living for right now. I want people to have that everywhere because I believe and I've seen that we can transform how housing is done in America and everyone does not qualify for a bank loan. No. And the banks are under such restrictions that they can't allow people to do what we can do as entrepreneurs. We're much closer to people, we're much closer to their situations. We can catch them if they're falling. We can support them through where the banks, they wait three months before they do anything. And yeah. now the people are upside down in their world. Yeah. And it's already too upside down for them to recover in some cases, other, some people recover. 
but others don't, and they end up with a bankruptcy, a foreclosure. It messes up their credit for 10 years. That can be avoided, and so I like to be on that winning hand to catch people if they're falling and support them through that process if we can. You know, in um, there was a point in my life not for, not long ago that uh, I had three different attorneys tell me that I needed to file for bankruptcy. Oh, and and I'm talking to them right, and I'm <sighs> I'm like, why? <laughs> well, you got to protect this, and you know walk away from the creditors and do that. And so I'm like, nah, man, there's gotta be a better way. Oh. There's gotta be a better there way than fi better fighting way. for bankruptcy, right? But, and I never did. I never took on the advice. Like literally the, three different ones told me you should go and file and I never did. Man, that's great. So what I did was is I went to every single one of the lenders and I said, look guys, here's where I'm at. I'm in troubles, number one. I can't make payments. Number two, I haven't finished the properties, number three. So we got two options, or actually we got more than two options, but the main ones are this. You take the property as is, then you sue me, and then we'll figure the rest out. You work with me while I work on my cash flow. I finish the properties, we sell them, you get paid, then we'll figure the rest out. Or you come up with another solution that I'm not aware of, and we'll call it a day. Well, you put your finger on exactly why I don't like to go to banks, because they often won't do that. Right. right. They often won't actually work with you. And in fact, they have you sign blanket loans and put all your properties under one blanket and then you, you fall into a situation, all of a sudden they take all your Everything. property. And I've seen it happen too yep. many times. You know, I'm going into my fifth real estate cycle. So I've seen builders, I've seen investors cycle through all of this and I know what it looks like and I said, what is it that we can do to prevent that from happening? And I came to that formula that I use to this day is find the buyer before you even buy. Already have customers in place. Already know what their down payment is. Already know what they can afford on a monthly basis. Now when a wholesaler comes to me with a deal that I've already got a customer for, I say, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I want that deal because I got a customer. Man, you just gave me a great idea. So with uh, lead generation, right? On your case, when you find the buyer, you guys are probably posting bandit signs and oh, you yeah. know doing I a lot. I got a whole program on this called the House Monster. Right. This is what we a do. A lot of marketing to attract these buyers, right? Yes. But what if you could you could get the data on all the people that are renting a house, and you can text them on their cell phone. I love it. And get them qualified on your program. Let's do that. <laughs> I can do that. I love that. I, <laughs> I just love gave me that. that idea. I was like, okay. Oh, you need renters? Come on. That's when we say, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. So, um, because I've got licensees everywhere. Wow, that's And they great. need that. Yeah, they we need, need to, we need to, to, we need to that. talk that, about oh, that oh, uh, much and, further and out. I've already provided them with websites to capture that information from the people. So we actually drive them to the website already and they already fill out the questionnaire that's asking him these questions. This is a simple marketing campaign. So imagine that you're in Atlanta, Georgia, right? And you identify all the apartment complexes. You get the people that are living there and you're texting these people and say, look, are you renting today? Yes, I am. How would you like to have home ownership? And many of them won't, right? Yes, many but you know what? Most of them do. 
uh, Trulia did a survey and they found that 78% of apartment dwellers have home ownership in their horizon sometime in their future. They found out that a lot of people have in apartments have money. They're saving up for the day, whenever that is, that they buy a house. They found out that people are trying to build their credit because they had some crash and burn happen in their life and they think they don't have Look, good that happened credit. to me. So I so check it out. I mean I live in a million dollar home and I don't have fifty dollars to my name. <laughs> and guess what I have? I have a mortgage. Right. And I'm but falling you pay. and I that I, no and I wasn't paying because I, I didn't have money. So I'm a real estate investor so I'm like how do I solve this challenge? Well, I gotta owner finance my house out. That'll take the payment away. It gives me a little bit of cash flow and it gives me down payment. <laughs> so guess what I did? I owner financed my, my house to another guy that had good credit, uh -huh. good money, all that, right? And I moved into an apartment. Now you had cash flow off of the house you used to live in. Yeah, and I got a bunch of money up front because this is a million dollar home. Yes. And so down payment is big, right? Yes. So, uh, and the guy had, he, he had good, good money to get. He couldn't buy because, this is crazy, he had 700 and some credit score, but he had to file for bankruptcy over some uh, medical bills that his mom had incurred. Uh, his mother, not him, his gosh. mother. But he had to put his name on it when his mom was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the hospital. So that was the whole thing, man. And That's luckily he's refinancing me out pretty soon. So um, anyhow. But, but you know what you just said that everybody's takeaway really should be? Equity saved your life. Oh yeah, Equity. 100%. Equity. And that's one of the things I teach is to build equity. Equity is at the end of the day, everything, because you're earning income off that equity. Yep. And that equity can continue to grow and expand. And the other thing is you're getting dependable, predictable monthly income off that equity. So then I move into the apartment, right? And which I love, by the way, uh, it's a great apartment. But now we're getting ready to move again to home ownership. So my wife goes, because she's a big believer in owning, having her name behind that <laughs> deed. And I'm like, I don't because to me, I deal with, uh, to me, properties are like commodity. Like, like it's a commodity. So <laughs> I deal them, right? So, but anyhow, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fulfill that for her so she can be, you know, happy. Happy. And secure. And secure. So the, the women. The women. Nest is an nest is the most important thing. The kids, the marriage. One hundred percent. So she comes to me and she goes, because we're moving now from Texas somewhere else, and she's like, "When are we gonna buy a house?" And I was like, "I don't know when we move." <laughs> and she's like, "But why are you taking so lightly?" Like, I was like, "Look, whenever we're getting ready to make the move, I will buy a house." I can do a lease option. I can do so many. Of course, she doesn't understand 100% what I do. I mean, she's involved in the business, but she doesn't know the mechanics behind it and all the technicality behind a, a lease option. Or, or yeah. And I'm already looking for the next property. Like I'm, I'm looking oh, at pricing, wow. where mm -hmm. I'm gonna go, and 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 it's gonna be a creative way. It's not gonna be. I'm not gonna go to a bank and get a loan. Exactly. It'll be either a lease option with option to buy, or oh, man. or something like that, or a subject to. Let me teach you about ten dollar houses. Ten dollar houses is my favorite thing. So if especially if it's gonna be your house. Yeah. There's a lot of bad paper out there, as you've learned. 
And so we actually shop for bad paper. We actually look in neighborhoods and find the vacant properties and find the bad paper on those vacant properties. And then we go to the owners and get the deed from them. That's why I call it $10 houses. And then at some point in the time in the future, gonna have to duke it out with the bank, but they have bad paper. So we use that fact against them and it can delay the process for a very long period of time until it ends up being a settlement. In some cases it ends up being a foreclosure, in other cases it ends up being a settlement and we're able to actually settle with the bank at way below what's owed on the property. I will go to Atlanta pretty soon and you're gonna to explain to me that process. You're gonna, for someone with your background and experience, man, you're gonna it's gonna blow your mind it will it's blow it blow already blows my mind because uh, <laughs> i i half ass understand it but i'm like okay i want my house in south beach well how do we do that you know like all right this is yeah. what you look for this is what to point and, and maybe Lula and i create a course of this in spanish about that that's a beautiful thing yeah yeah <laughs> lou thank you so it, it, much it's for a funny thing i have in my house monster program i have it all converted to spanish i have our trifold color brochures converted to spanish i have our websites converted to spanish do you have your education in spanish not the whole thing but i have those particular you have some education in spanish and, yeah awesome yep. so we're gonna be we're gonna be promoting some of that stuff because I'm, I'm that's my target right now oh. it's the spanish-speaking oh, community my goodness there's a uh, there's a lot it's, we need to do completely untapped yes no, no I'll tell you offline, of, of, I just did a webinar in Spanish. It blew my mind what happened. Uh, yes, and they're looking for this. They're thirsting they're for this. They're starving. Yes. Starving. I love it. And nobody's doing it. And you know, you look at my model because we believe in homeownership. The Spanish market, of course, it's all about homeownership. It's all about assets. It's all about the future. Do you of the have in, in, in your tribe, okay, your, your community, do you have somebody that can be a Spanish yes. uh, instructor? Multiple. Okay. Multiple. Um, who have actually helped me with the translation of the materials and the websites and everything. And, uh, and, and successful people in our program who you know, have gone after that market as well. I was one, one guy, Honduras, he's from Honduras. 19 deportation orders wow. that he, he fended off and uh, he's been able to do. He, I just had him on my Sunday night call. Uh, he bought a house for $9,100. Under my program, sold it for $170,000. Wow. And, and, it was, it was, and the new buyers came in and did all the work, like I was teaching you about yep. the, the, the sweat equity, the, 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 the down payment. The work yep. for equity program. So we give them credit towards their down payment. And, uh, and it's just a great example of that, you know? And then as soon as they get the house fixed up, they said, what else you got? Because I've got, I got family. You know, I want to help my family get a house too. Wow. So we end up helping the whole family end up with wow. ownership. So Lou, how do people get a hold of you? So I'm at streetsmartinvestor.com, streetsmartinvestor.com. And also we have, uh, we're on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, uh, the um, Creative Deal Maker Challenge. Uh, so I'm doing, in fact, next week, I'm doing a Creative Deal Maker Challenge for five days and people can definitely find me on Facebook for that. Um, and we, we just, we're all over the place. Um, I've got a book called Buy, Hold, Sell. It's an Amazon bestseller. 
people can get that, get the $5 off coupon, they can go to uh, streetsmartinvestor.com forward slash buy, hold, sell, or uh, BHS book, I think it is. And uh, uh, I've got some other books on Amazon, the doing good while doing well. I'm well, a big believer in doing good while doing well. Yeah. And I have licensees all over America that have written chapters in that book. So they're talking about their business in their local market. And then I've got another one called uh, Path to Home Ownership. And that helps people to understand how to end up buying property for themselves. Right. You know, so this is really helping our buyers, our end buyers, to be able to buy homes. So I teach people how to build a business doing that in their local market or help them get their own house. Yes. Whether it's a $10 house or whether it's a... I'm going to go get me a $10 mansion. How about that? And we're going to document that's, it. That's it right there, baby. Yep. I will show you how to do it. Yep. <laughs> well, Lou, thank you so much for uh, sitting down with me yeah, today and doing this interview. And You're amazing. I really do appreciate everything that you're doing out there in the world. You've helped a lot of people. And I thank you for bringing me into your world. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I appreciate you guys. Don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Attendgrowth.com is our next event in Houston, Texas, June 24th, 5th and 6th. I want to see you there. Make sure you get a ticket VIP so you can come meet guys like Lou. I don't know if Lou will make it, but maybe we'll extend an invitation to be a special guest. Thank you. Uh, we'll see. But I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Yeah, baby.